0: Okay, welcome to another episode of No Excuses, Real Inspiration, hosted by myself, Scott Marshall. So, thank you, Gary, for giving up your time to come back on the show. So, Thanks for inviting us back uh, on. This is our overdue catch up. <laughs> <laughs> so, session number two. So, obviously, for all the viewers, um, Dr. Gary Mendoza um, was on the show last year. Um, But if you're just catching up with um, Gary, if you don't mind, just give a brief intro of who you are and what you're currently doing in 2022, because things may have changed by then since (laughs) last year.
1: we just got over the pandemic, haven't we? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Right, I've been a PT for 30 plus years. Um, I've managed gyms, leisure centres, country clubs and what have you um my first degree is in applied human nutrition and when i finished that i was kind of more interested in nutrition than i was in personal training so i kind of moved more into that area into the training field um as part of that i wrote nutrition courses for one of the big leisure companies leisure training companies and we were getting real success with weight management with this training and so the company sponsored me to do my phd in this area So my doctoral research is in a multidimensional model for the treatment of male obesity. So that's where my real expertise is. And a big part of that was behavior change and psychology. And so now I've developed training around motivational interviewing, behavior change and so on. So I kind of really specialize on that quite a bit. But I also work with elite athletes because I'm a qualified sports dietitian. And I currently lecture at Bath Spa and Cardiff, Met Universities in Sport and Exercise Nutrition. So that's pretty much where I'm at.
0: Yeah, so you've got a lot of experience. Just a bit, yeah. Just a wee bit. (laughs) So today um, I'll be very laid back um, because we went through um, in our last interview, you know, your actual own journey. And um, you can listen, you can go back and listen to that if you, if you want for the listeners. But today is just about Gary's personal opinions um, around the direction of where health and fitness is moving. So, where, where do you see health and fitness moving within the next two
1: years? I think mainly, especially for personal trainers, they need to move more into the kind of wellness space as opposed to fitness yeah because i think people are becoming a lot more aware of healthy lifestyle healthy living and what have you and so now when people employ a personal trainer or even join the gym i think they're looking more for health wellness longevity of life kind of mobility there's a lot more talk around you know um being mobile in older age, not getting things like osteoporosis people are quite worried about things like Alzheimer's things yeah. like that so that in terms of the nutritional aspect there's definitely a lot of interest in how good nutrition can kind of protect you to some degree against some of these conditions
0: yes yeah, certainly. Um, and obviously you mentioned you know moving moving forward, um, personal trainers need to get get with the times, you know. <clears throat> but do you feel like I don't know for yourself? I, I definitely feel in the last five years, health and fitness has exploded with the amount of personal trainers on the scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of personal trainers out there, but the quality of the training is very debatable. I think. Yeah, well, when I look back to to what i you know how i trained as a personal trainer i did a 12 week full-time course that was like uh residence based i trained with what was premier fitness back in the day actually before that it was actually laugh it before it even became premier fit and then i also did a fairly comprehensive american qualification the american Council on exercise yeah based on a manual which is about inch and a half two inches thick and the exam for it was the best part of three hours wow and now when you look at some of these courses that trainers can do you know two three days online and suddenly you're a personal trainer yeah i don't blame the people doing the courses because the people selling those courses are telling them that's all they need and it will cover everything they want and of course they know no better yeah and so I, I think the standard of training has actually gone down and we're churning out trainers. And I'd be really – I don't know if the statistics exist, but I'd be really interested to see how many of those trainers, you know, the two- and three-day course ones, how many of those are still in the industry maybe a year later?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> because, as you say, you know, the. <laughs> It's a scenario. Um, What would you rather go for if you went into a gym and everybody's got the same qualification, but it doesn't list the experience? And, you know, that's the the issue right there because there might be some Joe Bloggs who's done the two-, three-day course online. Um, And then there's yourself who's done 12-weeks intensive course um but i think personal training um i think the the personal aspect has has went away for for me that that's my feeling on that
1: yeah well i i could see that years ago when i worked for future fit which was the training company i worked with we used to do a lot of um on-site kind of government-funded training and so i'd go into gyms and we'd I'd be doing train uh, the basic gym instructor course. Yeah. And then we'd go on and do the level three course with them. But when I looked at some programs from some of the personal trainers, they were identical. Every single program, they were basically giving people the same yeah. group of exercises. And I used to say to them, I well, what's personal about this? It's not. It's not measured for the client. It's not matched to the client. No. Just like this is what you tell everyone to do. I said, "Well, I could get a gym instructor to do that."
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the obviously the pandemic it didn't help, but a lot a lot of courses have went online. Um, and the problem is, majority of the courses have stayed online, and they've not basically returned to the face to face training. I personally think if people were to go and redo their course do it face to face they'll learn so much more
1: the the problem is come you're right everybody got pushed online i mean i was the same i had to move my course online although ironically mine works better online because it's behavior change but what companies found was well we've got to move online because of the pandemic that means we can offer the courses cheaper And so then people are more likely to buy them. Now, if they were to try to move back to -to face-to-face teaching, where you've got to pay for instructors to travel to a gym or buy a gym space or whatever it might be, the cost of that course most probably doubles with having to need a venue and pay the instructor's um, fees. And so then that becomes a difficult sell because now you're trying to compete against the online ones, which are half the price. And someone new who knows nothing about the industry coming in looks at that and goes, Well, why should I pay twice the price when I can get the same qualification doing it with this company? And that is the industry's fault. Yeah. Because the industry shouldn't approve qualifications that are just online. Yeah. Because for personal training, you need that. You cannot teach somebody how to squat, bench press, whatever it might be. Just by watching videos online when you can't see how they're doing it, how they would go about communicating with a client, what their communication skills are like. And yet we churn these people out with a qualification and it's the awarding body's fault. They should say there's this level of qualification if you do it online, but there's a higher level of qualification if you've got the face to face taught skills. Yeah. Because otherwise, there's no aspiration to go for the the better qualification, the more complete qualification.
0: Yeah. And there's also
1: a responsibility on gyms as well. Because gyms should be saying, you cannot work as a personal trainer in our gym unless you have got this qualification. But they don't do that. They just take anyone because all they want is the money.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, talking about that, so do you think, you know, the awarding body, you know, um, for
1: the qualifications, do you think they should be held accountable for this? 100% they should, but we, we've had that. I've been, like I say, I've been a personal trainer 30 years. Reps came in, I don't know, when i have been a PT, maybe 10, 15 years. Now reps has gone by the board now because they were useless. Yeah. Now we've got simspar. And everybody promised the world with that but that doesn't appear to be happening so the regulating bodies are not doing their job yeah
0: because and they're not
1: doing their job on two fronts they're allowing qualifications that are quite poor they're not regulating those and they're not promoting to the general public because if the general public were to start going into gyms and going right what's your qualifications or you haven't got the right qualifications, I'm not working with you. Yeah. If that started to happen, people would then bother to get the right qualifications. But until, until that happens, you'll get away with having real bad qualifications.
0: Yeah, because obviously, you've, you've probably seen it during lockdown, um, the amount of people who are setting up their own boot camps, et cetera, not qualified, no insurance, but yeah there's nobody to hold them accountable. There's nobody to go, you know, it's like if, you, if you're caught speeding by the police, the police will give you a ticket. You know, that, that should be the same within health and fitness. If you're not qualified, if you're not insured,
1: you should be getting reprimanded. You should be getting reprimanded and called out. There should be publicity. This trainer got pulled up for this and, you know, splash it all over Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else. Because that would damage their business, and they'd stop doing it, yeah, but all the time there's no deterrent, it's like it's it's but it's the wild West, anybody yeah. can do whatever they want, yeah. and it's really frustrating for trainers like yourselves that are well qualified, have spent quite a lot of money investing in training and future courses, and like you say, paying the right insurance and everything else, and then you you look over your shoulder and somebody down the road is doing it, it's got no qualifications, no insurance, and doesn't know what the hell they're doing and doesn't really care either.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you brought up a good point. Um, obviously, the the gyms don't care about, <clears throat> you know, the qualifications, they just care about the money. So within the industry, you know, it's you've got to choose, is it happiness or money, you know? Um, as a as a trainer, you know, because the amount of people who take so many clients on, and they're actually not happy doing that, they're only chasing the money. Whereas yeah. you maybe get one trainer who's coaching maybe three or four clients. They're doing it for the happiness
1: of the clients. Yeah, and and their own well being as well, because yeah. I think you've got a responsibility to yourself because you can do a hell of a lot of damage as a trainer. If you do not know what you're doing, I mean, you're telling somebody to do specific exercises, maybe advise them around nutrition and what have you. Well, if you look at the consequences of poor nutrition, poor exercise prescription long-term, they can be really damaging and you can most probably be doing more harm than good. Yeah. and And this is where we kind of, The Americans, to some degree, have got it right because the minute somebody gets injured in the States, you just get your butt sued. Yeah. And so trainers are very wary of doing this and very wary of not being properly qualified because Americans are quite litigious. And the minute they do pick up an injury or get ill and they think it was down to their trainer, they'll just sue them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so
1: consequently, trainers over there think, I've got to have insurance and I've got to be qualified to do what I'm doing because if not, it's going to cost me. Yeah, and, and we kind of need that here because I think if we had a few cases where trainers got sued and it cost them, I don't know, 100 grand, if that got put in the press, such and such trainer sued for injuring client, blah, blah, you'd only need a few of those before people start to think, my God, that could happen to me. I better get properly qualified or I better make sure I've got the right insurance. Yeah, yeah. But until that happens, well, where's yeah. the deterrent? There isn't one.
0: Yeah. And then for yourself, obviously, you mentioned that you work with a proper athletes, professional athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. So for yourself, your own personal opinion, um, obviously, you see a lot of ex-players move on to selling fad products what's your take on that
1: I mean I I don't blame them for doing it because at the end of the day whether they're still currently competing or whether they are at the end of their career it's about money making yeah and and an athlete's career is short especially at the elite level and so you've got to take every opportunity that's out there. But the public need to realize that they're doing that. You know, when such and such a sprinter or marathon runner or whoever it is says, oh, I always take this supplement or I use this or whatever, you've got to kind of take that with a pinch of salt because it's like they might, they might have taken it once just so they can actually say that. But I've actually worked with athletes that endorse products and I know for a fact, because I'm working with them, they certainly don't take it or they maybe don't even wear that particular bit of kit or those training shoes or whatever but yeah. they get paid literally hundreds of thousands to say that they do yeah and you you can't blame them for that that's marketing forces but the public need to be aware that maybe they you know maybe we should kind of look into this a bit better
0: yeah. obviously back in the day when uh before Joe Wicks, we had were celebrity DVDs as well.
1: Yeah, and exactly the same thing. They're pushing their classes. And, and that's the other problem we've got now. We've got celebrities who have got absolutely no skill other than they happen to have been in some reality programme or whatever. And now suddenly they're bringing out exercise videos or the latest diet. Yeah, and again, yeah. it's naive to think that that's how they got into that shape. They were most probably genetically quite fortunate. And so they are already in that shape. And then to maintain it, they'd most probably maintain some type of extreme diet. And now they're suddenly pushing some product. So it's like, who do you go to for your advice? Yeah, absolutely. And then
0: for yourself, uh, Gary. So let's talk about business. And so returning to uh, <coughs> excuse me, the gyms. So you've got your public gyms and then you've got your small private boutique gyms. So returning to normal business after the pandemic, how, how do they bring back the customers? Obviously a lot of people are apprehensive of returning money problems, etc.
1: It is a real issue, but I think all you can do is show how you can offer value and how you're genuine about what you're offering and that, yep, you are running the business, so you've got to make money. But also, you've got to have some type of ethical standpoint whereby, yes, I I admit I am making money, but what I'm offering will help you and will make you fitter healthier lighter whatever it what it is whatever it is you're looking for then that's the value you've got to offer and you've got to show how you're going to offer it so demonstrate that you've got these skills have testimonials that back that up because ultimately people will come back I mean you're right the kind of pandemic did scare a lot of people and it certainly put a lot of people off going to gyms but they're not going to, that's not suddenly going to stop. That behavior will change again. People will come back to health and wellness. And I would imagine that in the long term, health and wellness will become a bigger industry because you've got more and more people concerned about their longevity, their wellness, their health and that. So they will be looking for professionals that are able to offer a service that's tailored to what their requirements are. And I think it's quite important that trainers understand where their niche is. Yes. I, I think if you're just if you're trying to be a generalist, all things to all man, you're on a hide into nothing. But if you specialize in maybe a couple of areas, because there's no reason you shouldn't do that and say, look, I'm a real expert in these particular areas, and then demonstrate that in terms of the qualifications, the testimonials, then no reason why a business shouldn't be successful. But the key to that is have a business plan it always amazes me how many people have got no type of plan behind what they're doing and if you ever you watch a program like I, and i i did a post about this a while back but if ever you watch a program like dragon's den the one thing that gets pulled apart is all their numbers and their projections and everything else and none of those millionaires that are the dragons are going to invest unless they can see what the plan is what the market is what the idea for growth is and so on and yet i see so many trainers on here on social media in particular going on oh, how much should i charge per hour and what's the best way to deal with this is that if you've got to answer ask those questions then that says to me well, you haven't got a business plan then, because your business plan would answer all those questions
0: yeah
1: absolutely and, and people think oh yeah but I'm, I'm, it's only me i'm self-employed i don't need a business plan everyone needs a plan and yeah. business plans do not have to be massively complicated but they will focus your mind they will make you think about who is my niche how do i appeal to them where do i find them how do i market to them these those questions they're basic questions and so investing a bit of your own time writing out a business plan and thinking all those things through, you're likely to be more successful long-term. Oh, As the classic saying goes, failure to plan is planning to fail. And it yes. is just perfectly true.
0: Well, 100%. And then for yourself, Gary, how's business going for you?
1: To be honest, it's been really slow. But I I think that is partly because of the pandemic. I think trainers are worrying about um, where they're going to find clients. And so then you think, well, right, can I really afford to invest in training? And so maybe they kind of pull back a bit on that. And I totally understand that, but it is, it has picked up over the last couple of months. So I think people are slowly kind of getting back into the swing of things. Yeah. I mean, I'm um, quite fortunate because I, I work a part time lecturer at two universities and what have you. So I've got kind of regular income there. Yeah. So, but yeah, but it's, it's picking up slowly. So for I'm your, not massively bothered. No, for
0: yourself. <laughs> so obviously, the majority of your uh, courses are done online. Are you planning on back to face to face
1: courses in the future? Well, I've I've been asked to do a few face-to-face courses more recently because a couple of companies contacted me and I said, Well, I can do this online or face to face. And they actually said they would prefer to do it face to face. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's almost like people have got a bit tired of online, I think. I think being forced to do it through the pandemic, people are quite looking forward to getting back in groups and having training that way. So I think there's almost an appetite for face-to-face training now, whereas because of not being allowed to do it for so long, it's a bit like with lecturing at university. Obviously, through the pandemic, all my lectures were done online via Zoom or Teams or whatever. Yeah. But now, in this this year and following year, we're going back to face-to-face teaching because I, I there's something about face-to-face that, you don't really get when you're online.
0: Yeah. It's like, <clears throat> could you imagine trying to teach a footballer how to play football via Zoom?
1: <laughs> well, that's exactly kind of what we were talking about, isn't it, in terms of training a personal trainer. Yeah. Yeah, I could demonstrate a push-up or a press up or a bench press or whatever on video, but it's not the same as me standing there doing the demonstration and then getting the The trainer to go through it as well and watching what they do so yeah i mean that personal element that human contact and all the kind of non-verbal communication that goes with that is really important i mean it's it's how we learn we don't just learn if it if we just learn from being given the facts then you would never need face-to-face teaching yeah because every student you could say right here's the book read the book we'll give you an exam at the end of it no very few people learn well like that you need all different types of learning styles to kind of almost stimulate your brain to pick up the knowledge
0: no absolutely and obviously talking about learning so obviously technology so that's where we're moving and health and fitness as well, you know, social media, influencers, et cetera. So if you could pick an application um, for someone to use to improve their health and fitness, what would it be?
1: I don't think there's an easy answer to that because there's lots of different apps that offer all different things. And I don't think you can say there's one app that you go, yeah, that's the one
0: everyone should do. Um, if we if we put it down to nutrition,
1: so right. So for nutrition, I would definitely uh, go with something like nutritics or nutri- um, Nutridomics or, or or one of those type of things, because. Much as there's an app and it will tell you what foods your calories are and your macro breakdown and whatever, you always need a nutritionist with it as well. I don't think there's a single app that I could say to somebody, use this app, your nutrition will be perfect, because it, it wouldn't be.
0: Yeah. So
1: what you want from a nutrition app is really a way of monitoring your nutrition. So as you start to learn about meals and food composition, but you generally would need somebody that's got good nutrition skills to kind of, again, it we're back to, you couldn't, if you could just do it through an app, then you wouldn't need nutritionists and dietitians. Yeah. but you just can't do that. So there's it, it, always going to be a combination of an app that gives you the basic information, i.e. the breakdown of calories, macronutrients, micronutrients, but then backed by somebody properly qualified, that can kind of give you all the nuances around nutrition and food prep and what have you.
0: No, certainly. Um, And if you could pick your all time favourite quote.
1: Oh, uh, the one that I live by. For, For me, it's always you regret far more in life the things you don't do than the things that you do do. Okay.
0: In other words, if
1: you're thinking about do it, do it. What's the worst that can happen?
0: Exactly. Go with your gut.
1: Yeah, 100%. It is really odd how many times, I would say almost nine times out of ten, your gut feeling's right. That I think it's something that, as humans, we just kind of intuitively know. And, and I think reliant, trusting that is actually quite important.
0: So just before we round up, Gary, I've got two questions um, mm-hmm. for yourself and they're very debatable questions. So there's no right answer. Well, you know, or wrong answer. <laughs> well, who knows? So what's your personal opinion on
1: participation trophies? I hate them. <laughs> you hate them? Yeah, because you've got to have winners and losers. And... That's that's life. I mean, that's what life's about. Somebody wins and somebody loses. Somebody's runner-up, whatever. And I, I think all this thing about oh yeah, it, it's the taking part. Nah, no one believes that. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and I think
1: we, if we go down that route, especially with kids, when they come out of school and then they suddenly realise that the whole of life is a competition, it's a culture shock. It's like, yeah. what message have we sent people? So you've got to you've got to learn that there are winners and losers and you need to learn how to lose. But learn from it, not be yeah. not depressed about it, just like, OK, I lost. But why did I lose? What can I do better next time? That means I improve. That's how we improve as human beings by failing. So yeah. you have to accept that. We, if you learn from failure, it's a good thing. Yeah. The problem comes when we don't. And so participation trophies, nah, don't bother.
0: <laughs> and you definitely see it, you know, within young teenagers going into um, their mid-twenties, if they don't get their own way, the, the whole world is against them.
1: Yeah. Uh, and and what, so what are they going to do? Are they going to sit back and cry about it or do something about it? Yeah. And I, th- I think we're t- we're saying to people... I'll just cry about it, and somebody will look after you. It's like no, they won't.
0: <laughs> okay, so obviously you've been involved in professional sports majority of your life. Yeah. So in football, what's your take on heading? Would you agree that the younger age groups take it away because here in Scotland, um, you aren't allowed to head on the ball um, in training or matches until you're 12 and above, I believe.
1: I I think that makes sense. When you look at professional footballers who have now finished their career and look at things like Alzheimer's, things like that, we've got to do something to protect people to some degree. You can't protect them. You can't wrap people in cotton wool. But that is definitely one area where you could say, it kind of makes sense. Wait until the skull and the brain is fully developed and then it it will cope with that. But to do it at an age where, the, you know, the brain's still developing and growing right, and yeah. the skull's still fusing and what have you, no, I, I agree. I mean, I come from a rugby background and uh, head injuries in rugby are a major concern, and you've got to take it seriously. It's, it's like you can't just ignore it and hope it will go away because it won't. We know it won't. Yeah, so, yeah, you've got to protect, you know, when you when you've got the information we've now got about heading a ball and the problem it can cause, you can't ignore that. You can't just go, oh well, that's one of them things, isn't it? That's yeah that's unethical.
0: No, definitely. And then just before we round up, have you got any questions for myself, Gary?
1: Yeah. Who would be your favorite? guest to get onto your podcast if you could. If you could choose anyone in the world, (laughs) who would be the one person you choose to get on your podcast? Wow. (laughs) That's a a tough one.
0: (laughs) Um, Right, okay. Hmm. Anyone in the world? Anyone
1: from kings, queens, presidents, whoever... Any personality from any field, hmm. that's
0: <laughs> that's a stickler. Um, but for myself, um, I'm just going to name one just now, but probably, um, down the line it'll, it'll change. Um, and yeah. so, the one person who I am fascinated about, um, He's my all-time uh, football role model, is uh, Raquel Riquelme, who used to play for uh, Villarreal. Um, so oh, that, really? he's um, a phenomenal football player, and he's have uh, seen him play at Ibrox um, in 2006, and I thought he's probably the best player I've ever seen. Wow. Um, so it would be good to speak to him, but obviously I think the, the language barrier would make be a difference. <laughs> Um, but certainly, if I was to have someone on, it would be Raquel Me. Yeah. And then for yourself, Gary, so if people want to reach out to you, where can they do that?
1: Uh, right, they can get hold of me from, i uh, go on my website, as you can see above my head here, Uh On Instagram, it's Dr Gary Mendoza. And on Twitter, it's Dr Gary Mend. Oh that's perfect, Gary. And I post regularly, so you'll always yeah. pick up snippets on behaviour change and what have you.
0: No, nah, excellent. It's been great to catch up with you. Uh, you yeah. Know, um. Obviously, it's a it's a learning curve for both of us learning from. That's the nature of the the beast with podcasting and
1: networking. Yeah, I think it is, and I think learning's a good thing. And I've. I, again, I've posted about this before. I think the minute you get fed up of learning or you think you know it all, that's most probably the time to retire.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But no, it's been awesome, Gary. Thank you.
1: Great. Thanks for inviting us on.